All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. We got a bit to talk about tonight on the news and the things, so let's get right into it uh, with my Word on the Street segment. And everything's going to start off tonight in Southern California where we have some serious news to talk about. Uh, there was a magnitude 7.1 earthquake that occurred in the towns of Ridgecrest and Trona at 8 night. Uh, 8:19 p.m. on Friday, uh, the earthquakes. Uh, pretty, the earthquake itself pretty much started off with some minor tremors that were occurring the day before. So the 4th of July, uh, they were those minor tremors were ranging from about four on the Richter scale, and again, uh, it pretty much led uh, to the death. To the devastating quake that you did see on Saturday, uh, the quake did set off house fires uh, due to the gas lines being broke. Uh, they also destroyed uh, water lines as well, leading to many homes being flooded. Also, power was knocked out in both of those cities and the surrounding area of those two towns as well. And there's also uh, now, although there was no deaths or major injuries reported, there is a one percent chance that another uh, quake on the edge of a seven or more uh, could be in the area uh, in the area in the next coming week I think there could be uh, these I mean these uh, fault lines uh, and these tremors and all this 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 stuff does kind of travel so I could imagine that they could, these these quakes could all could even reach Northern California at some point in the next couple of weeks so uh, for those of my people in the Bay Area and the Sacramento area uh, be aware for that as well uh, once they start going at least on a big uh, scale in in that area they usually do travel and they can travel I mean depending on those fault lines they're pretty close together and they're very uh, very uh, invasive of each invasive of invasive of each other excuse me uh, so that means whenever whenever there's some movement between one or two different plates on one side there's bound to be some movement on a whole different side of the country or the or any state something like that uh, but Moving on, uh, like I said, there was no deaths or major in, uh, injuries reported despite these shocks being felt all the way from Sacramento, not only from the uh, epicenter, which was in the Ridgecrest area in Southern California, but all the way up to Sacramento in uh, the northern part of the state, all the way down south to Mexico. So we're talking a whole nother country. So for, the, so for uh, no deaths or major injuries to be reported, that is a good thing. Uh, good thing to know. Uh, there, however, there was over a hundred million dollars worth of damage, of course, with the, the house fires, the leaking gas lines, also the flooding and all that. There was also some very severely cracked buildings as well. Now, of course, the Ridgecrest area is around the Death Valley National Park, so it's in a it's in a somewhat remote uh, part of California. So again, that might have led uh, might have led uh, to the lack of human casualties and injuries. But just imagine if a 7.1 were to hit L.A. or San Francisco, and it's very likely, especially now that there's this activity going on, because again, a lot of these fault a lot of these faults and these fault lines again run into each other, and the San Francisco Bay Area itself is a really uh, it's almost like a powder keg because I, I was under under the impression that we were just in the vicinity of two major fault lines, that being the San Andreas and the Hayward Fault. Uh, but again, a simple uh, a simple some simple research 
I've corrected that and I've actually found out that we're in the vicinity of seven different fault lines all within the area of San Francisco and all the rest of the cities like Oakland, Berkeley. So we're all within the vicinity of seven different uh, fault lines, including the San Andreas, the Hayward, I believe it will be this Pacific uh, fault line as well. Uh, now be headed towards, I think, the uh, Southern California uh, in that area as well. So again, we are around a lot of tectonic activity in Northern California as well. I would just say the entire state really. And uh, it's very dangerous because again, it's not like a hurricane or a tornado where you can predict it. It's not like you can see it. You can map it out on a on a map or you know a storm tracker. You can tell people to evacuate. All you can do is tell people to be prepared. And if they really you know just are not feeling it, they they could go. You know, but uh, the likelihood of there being somewhat of a, I would say, a significant earthquake in the next couple of weeks as far as Northern California is concerned is high. There could be definitely one in Southern California as well. So uh, for those of you that's been in California for years, who's done the earthquake training, uh, take all the lessons you've heard. I'm not trying to put no fear into nobody. I'm just telling people be aware. Uh, make sure if you you're not if you're you know you're not from the state or you're you're a newbie, you're still learning these things out. Maybe you YouTube something. Uh, you 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 work you watch a video uh, related to the, the subject because again, uh, it's very serious. And uh, for the again, um, for those who haven't for those of you who haven't lived here, haven't been here for a significant amount of time, those earthquakes will change your your whole perspective on things. It'll bug you out. I remember my first ever earthquake of course i i didn't i wasn't here for the big one in 1987 i wasn't around then but of course there's been minor ones and semi big ones throughout my time uh time period of being alive and uh i i tell you uh the first one it's really disorienting uh it's really you know you're really it's really an intense fear because you're not too sure what to expect you've never witnessed anything like this so um again this is not something you can prepare for necessarily uh you can of course if you can't afford it get some california earthquake insurance if that's possible um outside of that like i said just take some precautionary videos uh get some precautionary supplies uh, you don't know what could happen, but it's always all right. It's always good uh, to be safe. All right, y'all. So we're going to move on to the next topic real quick on a lighter note. Um, uh, the U.S. women's soccer team has won its fourth World Cup, uh, beating the Netherlands yesterday 2-0 to zero is the final score there. Uh, it was a pretty easy game for the U.S. women. Uh, of course, uh, the two goals came a somewhat later in the game, of course, uh, about halfway in, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Megan Rapinoe, Rapinoe uh, the team captain, got a place kick at the 61st minute, and also Rose Lavelle, uh, she was able to get uh, a goal at the 69th minute. Uh, uh, for the team stats, uh, the USA was able to get off 17 shots, and of course, that means they controlled the ball uh, pretty the majority of the time. They controlled the ball at least 54% of the time compared to the Netherlands 46. Uh, the Netherlands also only were, were only only able to get five shots off. U.S. played pretty well in terms of defense as well. Uh, a couple of takeaways from. Uh, from the championship round uh, for the USA. This is, the, like I said, their fourth World Cup. They also won one in 1991. I pretty much vividly, yeah, I can vividly remember the one in 99 because that's the one where one of the players, I think her name, I don't, I think her name was Brandy Chastain. I could be wrong. It was a long time ago, uh, but that was back when they had girl, like ladies like uh, ladies like Mia Hamm and all that, and I was kind of getting into it because I kind of had a crush on Mia Hamm, uh, but again, it was female soccer, but I wasn't 
dissing or nothing like that. It just wasn't something that was on my plate. But I remember the biggest thing that I remember was the girl taking off her jersey and running around with her sports bra on. I'm like, oh, shit. And nobody was bugging about it. So I figured that's when the world was turning. The world was changing. I was like, okay, we got to see some. She got the flashes halfway. Okay, that's what's up. I'm only in second, third grade. I'm like, okay, I could dig that. Uh, so they also won one in 2015 as well. That was their most recent. And this is uh, this would be their fourth, like I said before. And this is twice as many as any other country so the next best country has to max so again the u.s uh, women's team is really dominant uh this is the the netherlands seven straight loss to the u.s women's team and they've been outscored two to 24 in that process wow how does that work especially when your men's team can't get you shit which will lead me to another point in just a second uh raven uh one more point here megan rapinoe is tied with brigitte uh prince from germany for uh, the number of World Cup appearances at four. Uh, she appeared originally in the 2011. She was also in 2015 as well. And uh, I believe it was one more. Um, I'll say it was two. 2011 2015 oh it was three i'm sorry so it was just three appearances so uh for uh megan rapinoe it was tw 2011 2015 and now this year and for bridget prince out of germany uh she appeared in 9503 and her last was 07 so again a lot of history being made by the u.s women uh, which leads me to one question before i get off this topic uh especially that i've been hearing the past few days and actually for a while now about not only women's soccer but women's sports in general and the concept here is equal pay uh trump uh said some comments recently that uh he wouldn't be opposed to having some equal pay type of system but he would want to know uh, about the revenue and things being uh you know who's bringing in the most revenue or stuff like that and i've been hearing those arguments as well and i've been hearing arguments pro and for equal pay uh like I said, throughout at least a year or so. Um, I'm not a professional athlete, uh, so I'm going to leave that discussion to those who participate uh, in that. Of course, there's a business uh, aspect of it, and I could make a business argument that could probably fit uh, the narrative that's for it or uh, against it. Uh, as far as I know, what is known is as as popular as the U.S. soccer team is, and I'm pretty sure uh, this sport, at least the women's side of it, turns a profit. I'm pretty sure men's soccer doesn't. Uh, so that's one sport you have to look at right there that you know is not going to be on an equal footing, uh, regardless of of. Well, at least, again, I, I think women's soccer does generate some income, uh, but we do know that women's basketball doesn't. Uh, women's softball doesn't. So, again, do I do I think people need a, a living wage for what they do? I, I think they do, and I think these athletes are getting that. Uh, is some of what they're getting paid based on uh, the popularity of the sport and how much that how much revenue that sport is generating? Is that what I think some of these contracts are being based off of? Yes. Uh, so I think that's what leads to it too. So there's an argument for it again, and an argument against it. Um, and I'm you know what I'm gonna stay out of it. I, I it's not for me. Again, I'm not a I'm not a professional athlete. Uh, as long as and again, if if you know, I'm not for I'm not against equal pay. Um, I think if it's affordable for that league and if you know if that league can maintain by increasing the wages of their athletes, like the WNBA, by all means, do it. Uh, should should whatever powers that be, like the NBA or uh, men's soccer, be responsible for. 
again, making sure women are paid correctly? No, because that's why they're separate, separate organizations. Sorry. Uh, again, if it was intramural, then that's a different situation. But again, there uh, again, women, if women's softball team can afford better wages, if they can afford, you know, better facilities, then by all means, they should be given that. But I don't think uh, I, I'm not too sure what how they expect the equal pay to, to even be done or divvied out. Again, this is these are based on what the organ these these contracts were made by the organizations based on what the organization's funding is uh and and these sports organizations are getting money from advertising or or ticket sales concessions uh merchandise so on and so forth jerseys again you can't account for that it's not it's not the nfl's fault that odell beckham is unfortunately going to sell way more jerseys than any more wnba star it's not it's not the nfl's fault or the nba's fault that let's say for instance a team like the sacramento kings is going to sell it probably has better merchandise sales than your nearest wnba team that's just the way that it is. Uh, that you can't argue with. Do they deserve a fair wage? Yes. Do they deserve a living wage? Yes. Do they get that? Yes. Do they get the notoriety that they deserve? Maybe you can add some more advertising for them. Maybe you could put some more advertising into that. Uh, again, I'm not too sure if the WNBA is parented by the NBA. Maybe they do need to share some revenue. Is it important that they do? Especially if they're, again, if they're especially if they're not. You know, dependent if the WNBA is not dependent on the NBA or has not been, it's been its own separate entity. I don't see where how they expect equal pay unless there's some type of revenue streaming or revenue sharing. And as far as I know, again, the WNBA and the NBA are two separate entities. You uh, women's softball that league is completely different from the MLB, which is the professional males league, and the same thing with U.S. Uh, men's soccer and U.S. women's soccer. Again, if they were intramural or they were somehow connected, both of those. Uh, let's say, for for instance, the U.S. Uh, the U.S. both the U.S. men's and women's soccer team formed and they created their own league. Then, by all means, uh, you can revenue share, and whatever women can get paid whatever contract the man has because again you sharing that revenue you're sharing the income from concessions uh, merchandise jerseys so on and so forth again you don't have that all these entities are operating on their own so again that's your catch 22 uh you're talking about revenue sharing with entities that don't they don't function together. So are we are we are we suggesting that for female athletes to get paid? Are we suggesting that uh, the U.S. soccer team, uh, I guess, merges with the NBA in order for some revenue sharing so they get money too? What are we what are we saying here? I don't know the true argument here. I think if they generate the income, then by all means, fatten up the contracts. I don't think those leagues generate the income to warrant massive contracts, unfortunately. It's not. It's just the way it is. I don't think it's sexism. It's just the NBA is a more popular league than the NBA, than the WNBA and uh, other women's leagues. Sorry. It's just the way that it is. Um, 
For now, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I get back to you, I will be talking about the main story I wanted to get into, uh, which is the controversy surrounding the new, uh, well, the new, uh, eventual new live-action Little Mermaid movie. Of course, the internet was not happy about uh, the studios or Disney's casting of a black actress uh, to play our new Ariel, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to wrap everything up there, and like I said, uh, I wanted to get into my personal opinion about all these remakes in general, not just the this one uh but the whole remake so i'm gonna get back to y'all in just a second all right now all right y'all let's wrap all this up now over the last week and more so over the past weekend we got some more details about the, the new disney uh, little mermaid remake that they're gonna be putting out we've learned some more about the cast and uh, who's gonna be in it of course and over the weekend a lot of critics mostly white have taken to the internet mostly social media to express their displeasure for the new ariel Halle Bailey. Now, Bailey is 19 years old and she's appeared on the silver screen and on television in films such as Last Holiday and the TV show Grownish. Uh, you also heard her music with her and her sister Chloe and Bailey on the soundtracks to Wrinkle in Time with the song Warrior and on the uh, soundtrack to Little uh, and the, on the song Be Yourself. Uh, with her sister, she's been nominated uh, for many awards, including a BET Award for New Artist, uh, for, actually for Best New Group, uh, NAACP Award for Outstanding New Artist, uh, and also two Grammys. They've also been nominated for two Grammys for Best New Artist and Best Urban Contemporary Album. So obviously she has talent, uh, but these so-called fans and these so-called critics, these armchair critics is what they should be referred to, because uh, they don't really have any, uh, really any authority really they just they're just stating their opinions about how they feel which is fine which is basically what i'm going to be doing in a second uh but they went on to say uh they went on to even go on as far as to have a petition uh calling it not my Ariel." so they were very against uh they seem to be very agitated and very against a black uh a woman uh being a lead role in this in this movie uh there is also this uh post this interesting post that i came across i thought it was a little bit too far uh could it be not it could or could not be real i thought it was just taking it too far so i kind of feel like it was kind of made up but i did uh come across a post um about this guy who claims he infiltrated some white Facebook group and he came back with a poster with a little little mermaid poster uh, with a watermelon on it and her just looking so coonish and all that and I found it offensive especially if it's real but again um, we already know how these people felt you know from, from the get go when they started putting out their comments why do we need to feel the need to infiltrate to see even more uh, I, I don't get that I kind of thought that was just doing too much I don't even think that picture was real I think he made that up just with some more sympathy that's just me that's just me with that being said, though, uh, I, I'm kind of taken aback by all the anti, or at least from the the Cauc or Caucasian uh, critics uh, about this this new retelling of the story and about this casting of Miss uh, Barry here. Uh, you know, I, I have it. I very first and foremost, um, the the company or the 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 casting crew or whatever uh the disney you know company that's behind this freeform uh that's behind this uh they went on to say a couple things that were very important you know regarding it and just kind of making it um making it not so much yeah you know kind of downplaying it you know they went on to mention you know she is a mermaid by the way and they have a point to that she's a mermaid guys white folks she's a mermaid i don't think they actually have the, the same you know 
emphasis on race as we would do, especially y'all white folk do. So I, I first of all, we're dealing with a with a non-human creature, and we're worried about the race of a non-human creature. That that's already um, annoying. I, you know, that's to me that y'all putting all this on it. You're you're mad about what a mermaid is, what color a mermaid is. I think it just shows and it proves to the world. It proves to Americans that uh, obviously a lot of a lot of these white folks haven't let it go. And it's quite silly. It's not like this actress hasn't earned her way. It's not like she uh, hasn't, uh, you know, you know, been a, you know, she, she's obviously uh, been respected for her art. She's been nominated for her music, uh, for awards for her music. She's already been on TV. She has somewhat of a filmography here. Um, I, you know, it's not like she was just given the job because she was black. Uh, she was given the job because obviously the casting directors and the people involved with the movie thought she'd be a good fit. These people have been involved with movies you know longer than I have longer than a lot the majority of these armchair critics have uh, so they they know what they're doing when they decide to pick Miss Haley Berry and if that's who they want to represent their uh, the, the new retelling of their mermaid story then that's what they do this is a work of fiction you can do that with works of fiction I'm, I'm I mean I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry why are white people so mad about a work of fiction being changed when y'all change actual history all the time you'll put out a movie called gods and gods and kings of gods of Egypt or whatever and have an all-white cast in that shit knowing goddamn well not one native Egyptian either today or in back in the past looks anything like Christian Bale so again how dare y'all act all mad and, and, and get up in arms. Uh, I, I just remembered the other night I was watching The Mummy Returns, right? And for those of you who've seen that movie, uh, y'all know in this in this in, in that sequel, uh, Rick's girlfriend. What's her? Well, she's played by Rachel Weisz or whatever. I can't. Uh, Evelyn. Evelyn. Rachel Rice's character, Evelyn, she has she goes off on this tangent. She starts daydreaming that she's she's somehow related to the Pharaoh, and she's over here funking and got beef with a knox in the moon. Stop it, Hollywood. Stop it, white fans and white folk that call themselves being up in arms about this. If you are if you are if you are mad about a black Ariel, but not mad about white Egyptians, I think you need to shut the fuck up. Let's just be honest. Let's just I'm just gonna say it like it is. Your your argument is not is not respected. Your argument is no is not valid, and you have no basis. You've been having white folks put on black face, put on Asian face, put on uh, Indian face or whatever face, put on dots, feathers and all that to represent every other race for years. Take a take a chill pill, white folk. This is the future. OK, this is just what happens. OK. This is this is the way that it goes. Hollywood and, and the world itself is changing. Standards of beauty have changed. You know, for in the 1950s and 60s and before, it was all about being skinny as a rail. And in some circles, it still might be like that. But it's it's been encompassed more. You can you can be black and be beautiful. You can be plus size and be beautiful. The world is changing. Y'all have to be aware of that, or you're gonna get left behind. That's what's happening. You're showing to the whole world that you're still stuck in a low level mind of thinking. That's what white people are doing. Sorry.
You're revealing too much of yourself when you're letting a movie, a movie in the race of a movie character, a fake movie character at that, that came from a, 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 a fiction story, mind you, get you up in arms. But yet you for centuries, or at least since you've been making movies, making movies, pretending to be every other race under the sun. Stop it. Stop it, white folk. Y'all, the same group of people that made a movie uh, that had a black, that had a white guy put on blackface in order to get a college, to get a college scholarship. Stop it. I can't remember the name of the movie off the top of my head, but but believe me, it's a movie that came out in the 80s with a guy, he's some rich white dude. He couldn't get into college unless he, uh, this, uh, unless he, he was black. It was for uh, some type of, uh, I think it was some affirmative action type of thing. So he, he goes into blackface and becomes a black man or, you know, for movie, for the movie purposes. And gets his scholarship to go to some college. I've seen movies like that. Or I've seen previews to movies like that. Now of course I didn't see that bullshit. I just happened to catch it. I just happened to catch it when I'm flipping through channels. And I've seen a little commercial for it. That's offensive. Again if I knew the name of the movie right now. I, 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 I tell you right now. But if y'all not mad about those movies, don't be mad 20 years later, 30 years, 40 years down the line when they decide to make Ariel black. Okay? Please don't. Please don't. Y'all people made Song of the South, got the nerve, or and love that movie, got the nerve to be mad that a, a mermaid is black this time. Y'all need to stop it. Okay? Please stop. And... If, with all that being said, let me say this. Black folk, it is not really an accomplishment and it's not really indicative of social equality that white folks or white directors and white, you know, um, I guess casting directors decide, oh, we're going to let a black woman play, play a black, black character. You want to shoot? You want me... You want to show me some racial diversity? You want to show, or you want to be, uh, you want to see some real racial diversity? Let Disney allow black filmmakers to make their own movies. They could put it out on Disney, but let them make their own story based on their own characters that they all they that they already made. Being, being is being okay. And what I'm saying is, it's not, I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not the biggest accomplishment to be able to play a white character, in my opinion. The bigger accomplishment would have been able to have Haley Berry and a, and a whole conglomerate of black actors, black uh, directors, producers, all come together to create a whole completely new character based on the black diaspora that's my that's that's really turning the corner turning the corner is not being able to say oh this is a uh uh generally this is a white character i'm a player as a black woman that's not groundbreaking necessarily in my opinion i'm just saying and if dizzy really wanted to break the mold they would have they would have made the original ariel back in 1989 black if you wanted to be progressive sorry i don't need disney to cater to me by giving me a, a bone every once in a while and with all these changes that they want to do, with all these 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 remakes, ain't no telling what they're gonna do thirty year, years from now. They liable to make Tiana from Princess and the Frog a nonsense girl in their remake of that. Who knows? Now, would y'all like that if Tiana in, in Princess of the Frog was a tranny? I'm just saying. I'm just hey hey. 
y'all y'all love it when it when it gets flipped in y'all direction but what if they switch your characters up are you gonna like that listen it's time to be original it's time and don't get me wrong i'm not gonna sit there and be negative against the movie right off the top i've heard some uh, very positive reviews about aladdin so i'm not gonna get on that per se uh but i think we're at an age now well, we, I mean, come on, do we really need to remix everything that was popular? The movie was good enough to it to stand on its own. If my kids need to get a, a, a Little Mermaid face, which to be honest with you, which to be, let's be real with you. The Little Mermaid was not all that great of a movie to begin with. The best Disney animated movie is, let's, let's keep it lit here, was The Lion King. If you want to, if you want to, if you really want to go there and rank them. If you really want to do that, it's going to be the Lion King, Toy Story, uh, Aladdin, and then you got Oliver and company. Come on. I don't even think that, look, Little Mermaid was for the girls. It was popular amongst the I don't think it was all that big of a movie to begin with. Anyway, you know, so the, the, the movie companies, they decide to cash in on all the, the, the racial, uh, everybody wants to be racially, you know, represented. They just cash in on that. They decide to give you a little bone and y'all jumped with it. Fuck that. I want more original black characters. That's what we need to be pushing for. Disney owns a conglomerate on, on all media. That's what needs to loosen up. I don't care about how many times you can remix Aladdin or how many times you can remix Ariel. I don't care if you can make Ariel purple. It was good that original time. In all honesty, it was a, well, it was okay for me. I mean, again, I wasn't a big fan of Little Mermaid anyway. So y'all, all y'all in this hubbub, all y'all in this hubbub about it. I'm like, that was that was like the fifth best or sixth best Disney movie, anyways. If if that, it was. It's not better than Lion King. We can go all day on it. It's not better than none of the Toy Stories. Stop it. It was a. It was like. It was like. It was like one of those films that was good and was just enough to put them on the on the map. But let's let's be real here. Oliver and Company, Oliver and Company was the was the Disney movie of the eighties. Don't ever lie to yourself. That was the best one. I'm sorry. Oliver and Company is better than Little Mermaid. Lion King was better than Little Mermaid. Aladdin is better than Little Mermaid. I'm just saying. We over here up in arms about an average Disney film anyway. Just saying. All of us are, and we're so when we as black, we just so proud to be accepted. We just want to be y'all. We can be y'all. No, let's let's try to push our own characters for once. Let's try to be our own entity, our own identity first. Jeez, let's make let's make a. I mean, let's make another black princess instead of trying to be their princess. No, let's just make our own. It's not like we don't have them. Stop it. We don't have any, or we act like we don't have any black princesses we can base ourselves. We don't have any black queens. Stop it. Look at your history books. You don't have to be Ariel all the time. You don't have to be Jasmine. You can be a completely, you can be, a, you can be another Tiana. Okay. I don't know what you, you can be a Brianna or something. I don't know. You know, something. You don't have to be Ariel. You don't have to be all these other positions. You don't have to be the genie. You can be your own completely, we can make our own completely different, distinct characters in our own distinct universes. Stop trying to always buy into their stuff. You create your own sometime. 
Because all they're going to do is, and they're going to turn around and they're going to have to hold, they hold, they hold other side of they, they populace and they all other side of their demographic come and hate on you. They're going to allow that to happen. That's all they're going to do. Might as well get your own. You, you mean to tell me we can't make our, our own black princess? Stop it. Don't get me wrong, you know. Good job for Halle, ba- uh, for Halle Bailey and all that. She's come around. She's in a mainstream movie. Fine. But again, we could be doing that on our own. We are capable of doing such things. But the, what, what, what has happened over time is Disney has just become the big conglomerate. We've allowed Disney or Disney has been allowed by the government to monopolize and to control all that we see as media pretty much. That's the sad part. So we have to take these roles almost. We have to do some work with Disney at some point. That's that's what's been allowed to happen. That that's the real issues in 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 the in 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 this industry in the arts or in the uh, recording arts industry. It's been monopolized by one company. So it's like, oh well, take our bone, be be our white princess, be a black version of our white princess. When you can just be your own black princess, why not? This is this is great on the surface. Don't get me wrong. This is a great move uh, to an extent. We'll see how uh, how big this movie gets. You also got Melissa Car- uh, McCarthy. She's been tagged uh, to play Ursula. So you have a pretty decent cast in there. I don't know who Sebastian is going to be uh, yet. They got Jason Tremblay, another cool, popular, younger actor playing Flounder. Uh, so, again, I don't think the movie itself is going to be trash. I'm not gonna, I don't want to put that out there. But, again... Where is our creativity? Where is our, more of our princesses and kings at? Okay? And, you know, again, we're all black folk, white folk, white folk, all in a hubba hubbub, whatever how you pronounce it, a brouhaha, as y'all white folks do call it, some malarkey, about a movie. Let's be honest, though. If we were to rank it with the other Disney movies, it, don't, it ain't even that wrong compared to them. Y'all both up in arms about the average movie at best. And I don't like it. I'm just going to be real with you. And the whole remake thing, I'm, I don't care how y'all do it, remix it and flip it. We need, to be, we need to be promoting new, authentic content. I'm tired of remixes. That's not creative to me. It's not creative just to sit there and make Ariel black. It just causes, it just makes, it just adds all these elements to it that makes it more profitable. That doesn't make it more good as a movie, as a film. They just sensationalized it. Sorry. I'm not buying it. I need original quality for the 21st century. That's where we should be at now. Sorry, that's where we need to be. There's people that can make that. I've seen people uh, but don't have the budgets of, of Disney and all that making very. I mean, if you could, you could look at you could look at um, Netflix. Uh, the Lonely Island recently just put out a 30 minute like a mini movie about the Bash Brothers out there in Oakland in the 80s. And mind you, it's a 30-minute movie. It ain't all, you know, major, big-budget quality, whatever, major distribution, whatever. But again, it's funny. It's on point. It has been. It was directed well. You could tell that who was involved loved what they were doing. They loved that that, that baseball team. They knew about Oakland at the time. They they were from the Bay Area. You know about the Lonely Island. They, they're, they're graduates of my high school. You could you can sense that throughout the movie. And you didn't need a uh, 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 you didn't need the flash and the mirrors and the smoke and mirrors of race issues, of of sexual identity issues, of all that nonsense. It was pure. It was fun. It was about 30 minutes long, and I suggest you check it out. 
There's a bunch of movies that you can just watch on YouTube. There's a bunch of movies that come on on, on HBO all the time. Or, or you could just watch random, you know, direct by, by small, you know, local directors or, or, or those things. You know, I'm sorry. I am not a fan of the remake anymore. I'm not buying. It's unnecessary. If the movie was good, I mean, it was good. It's going to stand the test of time. People still watch the 1994 version of The Lion King. We don't need another one just to make it look cool and make some more money off. That's all it's about. It ain't even about really making a great movie anymore. It's about just making some extra money, and I don't. And you can tell. And I'm, I'm don't go along with it. People just go along. With, oh, it's it's the Lion King. No, if you really want to if you really want to buy the Lion King, buy the 1994 version. It ain't gonna change. The only thing changed now is they're gonna put a whole lot more CGI, and that's all pretty. That's all that that's to look pretty. It's not a better movie. It's not a better movie at all. Sorry. With that being said, y'all, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Uh, my next episode will be the uh, Hangover Review. Uh, we'll be going back into that. And then later on this week, I will be putting out my fourth edition uh, to my History of California uh, History of California Immigration Series, a.k.a. the Golden State Issue. I'll be putting that out later this week as well. If you're looking to get in touch with me, you can hit me up on my email at ljbutler75 at gmail.com. That is eljbutler75. 75 at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page devoted for this show at Never Out of Balance. You can also hit me up on Facebook personally and also on Instagram as well at L Jamal Ajani. That is E E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Once again, that is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Uh, once again, I'm going to wrap this up for today. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Y'all take care. Peace out. One love. And I'll holla at you.